This week on Grip and Grin. As hunters, we have patiently waited all year for one week in November. Before this season even started, the team has devoted blood, sweat, and frustration to prepare for this moment. Hundreds of hours have been spent assembling sets, scouting, and sitting. Will it pay off? Join us as we embark on our peak rutting whitetail experiences from the 2021 season. and welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. It has been quite some time, but we have been quite busy. Yes, sir. You know, it's been a jam-packed 2021 whitetail season. We have a lot, and I mean a lot, to get to. But as always, check the Instagram at Grip and Grin. You know, we are posting uh, some kills, game camera pictures. We'll start uh, rolling around to fishing again. Maybe some fishing during the season, you know. Bunch of good content on there for you. Share and like with your friends. And uh, let's get into the the rut, the Super Bowl of 2021. It's been a minute since we've recorded, and we apologize in advance. Seriously, though. I mean, we so much has happened, and, um, you know, we're holding on to some pictures for the Instagram because we want to uh, post these uh, episodes and have the pictures in sync with our Instagram. So we do apologize, folks. You know, we've been having people shouting out to us, when's the next episode? Um, you folks, wait, uh, you're in for a doozy. So, but yeah, let's get into the peak. Uh, let's get into the peak of rut and what that looks like, uh, particularly in my area. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to focus on you. We'll focus on me in a later episode more so, but there there's a lot that's happened in the past, you know, four or five weeks and to come. You know, we got a lot going on still with whitetail season happening in other states. So there is a lot to, a lot to digest right now, and it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up right where we left off um, in my location, and if you folks recall a month ago uh i was hunting delta uh my tree stand delta uh pretty hard actually and uh during that time i kept telling myself i was like you know we talk about curveball and the curveball was going to be delta high and lo and behold um delta was was good enough where delta high it could almost be ignored for this year but uh yeah i decided to go with a, a new curveball uh, and that would be Bravo based on the pictures I was getting and based on history of ACE going through there last year, I was like, you know, Bravo would be a great spot. Um, so I set up Bravo, cut some tree branches down, but in addition, I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep hunting Delta. So stuck to my guns and until pictures told me otherwise of when to jump at that curveball. I literally just kept hunting Delta. Yeah, but and let me add, let me add, there was a absolutely. little bit of turmoil during this time period of <laughs> well, you were you were um you were hunting for a buck, obviously, but you went a long time without seeing a deer. And I mean a long time. What was it? Like a whole month, maybe? It was know. one month since I um you know, I, I had heard deer, I had jumped deer on my walks in and on my walks out, but n I had yet to um, visually confirm, like, a deer for, in over a month, yes. So yeah, it was good chunk of time until I saw brown. Yeah, um, definitely. And I remember I was uh, shooting my bow on a Sunday, and then you called me saying, oh, I'm... I'm going to pull a set and just go into this area I want to go into and cut a bunch of branches. Do not do that during peak season. Even if you're not seeing anything, don't just drop everything you were doing, every bit of work you put into this season to then just destroy it by, you know, ruining a spot just because you're not seeing deer, which you were about to do. Dude, that's the pressure of rut, though, is like as a hunter, you start to go, you start to second guess everything. 
And yeah, you start to make some stupid decisions. And when I told you that, I was like, dude, I'm going to like completely do something different, like almost like a curveball, but not really just irrational decision. And you were like, what are you doing? Just and I believe there was one afternoon where you're like, just take it off. No, just don't even this, this is what I did. It was it was on a Sunday that we talked and I was like, why don't you take a couple days off? You know, you got two deer. You haven't seen anything. Just regroup, you know, do the chores around the house, get some shit yep. done, and then go back after. And you took a, a solid two to three days off in the middle of the season, which was a very good call on your half. It's crazy to think about, and it's crazy to, like, in the moment, you're like, I should be in the woods right now. But at the same time, I let the woods kind of settle back, you know, settle down because checking the cameras, you know, walking to the tree stand, these deer were learning my patterns, and it's, I was like, let's just stay out of the woods for a few days. Yep. And it definitely paid off. It definitely paid off. Um, you know, on the camera poll that morning, uh, the morning of, what was the date? remember the date no oh cripes um this was was it early november yes definitely it was the first week of november yeah first week of november and i pulled i went in sat you know had a great sit in the morning pulled my cameras and checked my cameras uh during midday and had a nice nice buck i believe it was drax that came through and uh echo hit a scrape uh, it was a mock scrape that I had created, but um, I knew that those bucks were hitting that, that same spot year after year. And that was promising. And I knew that those runs go right to Delta. Uh, oddly enough, you know, my cameras at Delta did not pick him up, but uh, I knew he would be in at least the general vicinity. So once again, I went back to Delta that afternoon. And, you know, for the mornings, or for, excuse me, for the afternoon sit, it was really... I get sunblasted around like three o'clock in that tree stand, um, but uh, on my way in, I did notice uh, that scrapes were hot. So you know those bucks were nailing those scrapes hard. Um, so rut was in full swing, and uh, so you know the afternoon sit. My strategies was the, the these were my strategies: minimal sense, meaning I don't want to throw too much into the the uh, crock pot I just want to throw in maybe one scent and I went with a scent of uh, a new product that I actually got this year and we'll talk about later on um, but it's a it's a mock scrape scent that I went with and uh, on my way in I actually took a hunter that uh, hunted there last year left his uh, scent wicks in the tree they've been there all year and I was like all right the deer are used to this by now and there's probably no scent on them now so I literally pulled them off the branches, brought them down to my tree stand, and um, used those uh, at, to my advantage. But on my way in, I freshened up every scrape that I saw with this uh, with this mock scrape scent. And every every time I saw one, you know, a couple sprays in it, and just kept going right towards the tree stand. Uh, great sit, sun blasted right around 3 p.m. Um, but uh, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty here. So, uh, legal time was five forty-seven. Um, at about five ten p.m., still recall, uh, it was so calm, like so calm, that uh, I turned off my Ozonics, which kind of goes against what what we like believe. But it was so calm that I had trouble like hearing. So when I turned that off, I could hear everything. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Everything. A mouse could run across the leaves, and I would hear it. So, very quiet, and I knew that it was deer 30, like, coming around to that time where, all right, they're going to be in here. And at about 5.43, so legal time is 5.47, 5.43, I hear something to my right, and I'm like, boom. All right, we're on caution. Like, we're on a yellow alert right now. Like, I hear something. And a couple more snaps, and I'm like, yep. Yeah. That's a deer. Defcon so five. I knew, oh yeah, dude. Code red. Uh, knew a deer was coming in on top of the ridge, and it kept going up and down the ridge. Well, I had a I had a scent about thirty yards to my two o'clock, and the wind was actually hitting me on the left side of my face, and it was pulling that scent wick out into uh, private private property actually. So um, 
I was trying to pull any deer off of that private property uh, into public land. And, uh, you know, 543, that deer came in. I was like, man, I checked the, checked the time real quick. And I'm like, I got time. It, this could happen. Uh, C. Brown. And I'm like, oh, I was like, yep, it's definitely a deer. Deer comes in on top of the ridge, drops down, comes back up. But then that deer starts walking straight at me. And I can see white rings around the eyes through my scope. And I was like, ah. And then I saw one little white tine on top of its head. Buck. I knew it was a buck. Couldn't tell who it was, but I knew it was a buck. And it was coming straight at me uh, to my 3 o'clock. And I had a little tiny window of opportunity, and it was a head-on shot facing me. And he, he stops and literally looks right up at me and stares into my soul and I'm like he knows something's up he knows like something's right there and so I I put the crosshairs right on his chest felt confident pulled the trigger um he literally went back up on his hind legs and like flipped backwards ran down the ridge and I just heard every tree every dead tree was just being plowed over and all of a sudden, it just went quiet, and I'm like, eh. and then it's a little more shuffling, and I was like, man, I don't know. Like, with a bow, if you take a head-on shot like that, you definitely question it, you know? But with a rifle, most people would be like, oh, he's down, he's down. But I did have a slight doubt in my, in the back of my mind, um, just because I don't know if where I hit. Like, it was it low brisket? Like, I, I'm just not sure. So, uh, got down out of the tree stand, collected myself. And, you know, I was kind of, I went to look for initial blood. I was panicking, as you know, me, <laughs> when I tracked deer. But I was like, you know what? It's better just to go back to the house, um, you know, shed some layers, get rid of some gear, and, uh, you know, get the flashlights and maybe another set of eyes to help out. And uh, it was a wise decision to yeah, do that. Yeah, definitely, because I remember you called me when you got back to the house, and you were like, I shot a buck. You didn't know who, and uh, you were saying, like, you all, you were low-key panicking for a moment there, not knowing exactly what went on. I was like, I'm glad you got the fuck out of there, because multiple times in the past, you would have called me being like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. When you're in doubt, you just need to back out, you know, have a cup of coffee, let it sit for about 30, 45 minutes, and then regroup, go back in there with a flashlight. What you did, which was a good decision on your half. Yeah, for sure. And it, I just, I don't know, it was the smart thing to do. Initially, I thought, I told you this when I called you when I got out of the woods, I initially thought it was VP that I had shot. Um, he's a six, six or seven pointer, small six or seven pointer. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too flashy, but he's a decent deer, just not, he's not on the target hit list. But I told myself, if I see a buck tonight, I'm shooting. So I knew it was a buck. I just didn't know which buck it was. Um, but anyways, went out, went back out, um, and found the initial spot of where I shot. It was actually more to the right than I thought, and uh, found blood right away. And he actually ran right down into this wet, boggy swamp area. It was nasty. Um, he ran maybe 50, 60 yards. And, uh, you know, shine the lights ahead, and I was like, holy shit, there he is. And walk up on him, and good God, Bjorn is a beautiful eight-point deer. Um, body on him was just absolutely—I mean, he had the frame to be a 200-pound deer, like, next year. Um, but he dressed out at 180. Uh, I'm stoked with a deer like that. Yeah, it was definitely cool that you were able to get a bunch of pictures of him pre you know pre-season going into pre-rut you had multiple encounters with him on camera and uh able to take a deer in his home range that was pretty sweet yeah he's i mean he would have been in number one contention next year he was number four on my hit list this year because i had two uh rogue bucks that came through uh about mid-season but he was number four on my hit list, and, you know, I have no regret shooting that deer. I mean, like you said, the full story is there. I've been tracking this deer since July. Um, he was a, you know, he was a reoccurring buck that kept coming through. Um, and his tines were, 
you know, as soon as I saw his antlers, I was like, that's Bjorn. Uh, his tines are a little bit um, narrower than my other target bucks, but uh, he's got, he's got the, like I said, he's got the frame to be a, a massive deer, but uh, he ain't going to be growing anymore. We'll say that much. <laughs> Definitely. But, and on top of that, you went a whole month without seeing a deer. It was kind of a big deal that, you know, you had you had an encounter you had to take advantage of your encounter because you hadn't seen deer the entire time you were hunting that piece. So yeah. if if you let it walk, you could have been regretful for sure, and it was a target buck on your list. Yeah, I I think it was wise to to pull the trigger on that deer, honestly. Um, you know, ironically, uh, I have a game cameras all through the woods there. I have about six or seven game cameras, but, um, you know, I got pictures of myself dragging the deer out. And I used a jet sled, actually, my ice fishing jet sled to to drag that deer out, which was very, very efficient. Um, I recommend that. But uh, an hour after I was dragging Bjorn out, literally one hour, Drax, my number one buck, came through, literally walked the same route that I was pulling pulling Bjorn out. So very cool, but uh, he came in a little too late. But um, it's just kind of cool to see that that interaction at the same the same hour basically so um but uh i'm pleased i am quite uh quite happy so bjorn will be be joining the re- the rest of the crew on the wall <laughs> here but uh yeah i facetime you and i was like dude what do you think should i mount it or should i do a do a euro mount on it so yeah and when you you facetimed me i remember that i was like at first, um, I was saying mount before I saw it on FaceTime. I was like, definitely European mount. And that was definitely the right way to go, you know, yep. with the skull, you know, basket eight. Not basket, but, like, definitely, like, just a perfect mount for the Euro. Yeah. Save a little I mean, money there, too. That, too, yeah. But I, he's big, but he's not, like, he's not ace. He's not high tower, like caliber you know he's he's up there but nothing like them he would they would have made him look tiny you know what i mean definitely definitely and you know we've we posted pictures of ace recently on the instagram we're also going to post more pictures of bjorn we've been waiting holding off on that for the last month we know we've been late on it but i have plentiful plethora of pictures (laughs) will be going up just too many to count there's a ton yes. of good pictures, you know, before and after mount. It's going to be great. Yeah, so you guys will see the finished, uh, well, partially finished product. Uh, I got them all cleaned up. He looks great. The European mount came out fantastic. Uh, he's going he's gonna to be going on a, an oak plaque on the back, but uh, you'll at least be able to see the, the European mount uh, that I actually uh, designed and cleaned up. So, but a couple of lessons, we, we were talking about this, uh, this past week and rather than us just telling stories about the deer that we've shot, we want to make sure that there's lessons that, um, that are embedded with each of our hunts. And so we came up with some, some lessons that you folks should, should pull from our stories or from our experiences. So it just makes us all, you know, better hunters. And, you know, sometimes, and this is a, this goes back to my strategies, Sometimes it's just better to set up, scent up, and shut up. Um, zero calling. I didn't do any calling whatsoever. I just let the scents do the work for me, and I only rocked one scent. I didn't do any dopey. Um, I didn't do any, like, calming scents or anything like that. I just did one scent. Um, and when I did that scent, I mean, I I bathed in that scent pretty much on top of that ridge, like, the scrapes, the wicks I put out was just all that scent. So um, pretty potent <laughs> when it was uh, drifting through the air, but uh, zero calling. Um, so with the wind, don't let an imperfect wind scare you from hunting a stand or a set. So if the wind is not ideal for you, you know, you hear hunters all the time going, oh, it's, it's not an ideal wind. I challenge you, hunt that wind. You know, what are the deer actually doing? Do they come in from a different way? Are they coming the same way? Like, you know, this wasn't an ideal wind for me, but I made sure that if it isn't, you know, if it's a wind that's not ideal, set up some scent barriers. You know, put a scent barrier on either side of you and let that scent mask your scent. You know, we're both rocking Ozonics, which is a great, uh, which is a great scent uh, eliminator. 
I shouldn't say scent eliminator, but uh, scent cover, would yeah, you call cover that? cover or mask, one or the other. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, it works great, but, you know, there's a whole other level if you put out, you know, scents around you that kind of, it's a barrier, essentially. Um, so I'd recommend setting up a scent barrier, you know, putting a wick to my right and also putting a wick to my left so that you're completely surrounded. Uh, and then last but not least, and this, I mean, this holds true, sit right until legal time. You know, as soon as legal time hits, boom, you're done. Unload, get out of the tree stand, you're done. But sit right until legal time. I shot Bjorn at 5.46, and legal time was 5.47. And that is no bullshit. <laughs> I mean, right down to the minute. Um, right after I shot, I checked my phone. I was like, holy shit, 5.46. That is insane. And um, on top of that, your other uh, forky buck that you shot, wasn't that right at legal time too? Yeah, that was... Um, that was 15, 10 or 15 minutes before legal time. So, you know, sit right into the legal time. I, I've been telling my, you know, buddies in my hunting group of like, hey, deer 30, deer 30. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Streeter was coming out of the woods, what, 45 minutes early? It's like, <laughs> Streeter, sit until legal time. But, yeah, pretty cool experience. It's it's nice to see the, the story come full circle. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that is just... I mean, you folks will see pictures of him. He's beautiful, but uh, very the, cool experience. The homecoming of Bjorn, which was, you know. Yes. I remember saying it at the beginning of the year. It was like you're the buck that I think you'd shoot, you know? Yeah. And you definitely uh, you got him in the freezer now, got him on the wall too. Pretty awesome. Yes, sir. Yep. So pretty uh, pretty exciting, but uh all right, enough of me. Let's get into your let's get into your shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're gonna transition from Maine to Mass, and one of the big differences is there's no rifle season down here. So, zero, z- <laughs> none, zilch. We have a shotgun and a muzzleloader season, and both occur at the very end of November, November 29th to December 11th is shotgun season, and then mm-hmm. following that. December 13th to the end of the year is a muzzleloader season. So I was very lucky where, you know, you can bow hunt the peak rut, which is the first time I've ever been able to hunt rut with my bow without having the orange army out there to kind of mess that up in a way. Did you wear any orange when you walked out there, or you just say, fuck it? Uh, you do not need need to wear orange during uh, okay. bow season, but it was definitely an interesting rut for me. We'll recap it over the next two to three episodes. <laughs> Very uh, a lot different than I expected. I'll, I'll put it that way. But I was for able sure. to get a uh, private land permission on one property which was great through a coworker of mine. Um, very gracious to hunt this property. It's in a, definitely in a neighborhood, but he has a, a few acres out there where a power line runs through. You know, there's a big swath of wood woods, a little bit of swamp, but not on my piece where I'm able to hunt. So I was continuing to hunt with my bow. And, again, not holding a rifle at any point or will be holding a rifle at any point, which is... Uh, Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I guess it's a way of life now for me, but <laughs> I love it. You know, it's great. But one day, you know, morning, it was raining, so didn't go in the morning, but the rain passed through right around lunchtime at work. I have my bow in my car. I have everything in my car, you know, always able to be a minute man, as we always say. Yep. And uh, the rain went through early, so I made sure that, all right, the rain went through early. I'm going to get out to the stand once uh, once I'm done work. So knowing that, I was thinking the deer would be moving with that. Right. Went out to hunt, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting up. I have shooting lanes all around me, but this deer came from behind me, and it, it was a lone doe, so... I wanted to make sure there wasn't any sort of buck falling behind. Waited for a solid 10 minutes, and this doe was, again, not in my shooting lane yet, but there was no no indication of a buck behind it. 
So mm-hmm. having uh, multiple doe tags at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to take the doe. So doe walks into my shooting lane, 20 yards, boom, shoot it. Think it's a good shot, you know. As I shoot it, it does a 180 and runs through this very deep vernal pool. And I'm talking like two feet deep, right through the Oof. middle of it. And it just rained, so everything's wet. Couldn't hear it coming in. It's just running, runs through that, and then runs out of my sight. And I'm like, all right, make note of every position of which it ran through, you know. But did I've, you see the arrow on impact, though? Like, did you know it was a good hit? It was getting towards legal time, and I I didn't get a good glimpse of it because it immediately did a 180. So with yeah. that, I couldn't see the impact at, you know, at shot. It ran. So, you know, you always just kind of sit for a minute. I'm not going to get down, whatever. Make sure everything clears out. Didn't see another deer. And then at... At dusk, climb down, walk over to where I shot. No arrow, no blood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember I did not call you for any of this. No, you didn't, you little son of a bitch, because literally <laughs> you didn't call me. Yeah, you're going to tell the story, but yeah, it didn't call me till later. So, so, oh shit, what now? No blood, what do you do? Yes. Yeah, so no blood trail, ran through a vernal pool. What the fuck do you do? So... You know, I took my time. I took at least an hour to dissect every leaf in the vicinity because, you know, when we tracked uh, that buck last year, I was helping you with, you know, you take every drop of blood into consideration. So but I in didn't... your environment, in your environment though, you have to remember the leaves are wet. Because that, usually exactly. when you see blood, it shines. But everything was shining on and the flashlight, and it's at night. So everything you use to your light to reflect a little light, everything's reflecting. Right. So there was nothing indicating anything. But I, I didn't see my arrow. So it's like, okay, did I? I don't think I missed, and I felt really good on the shot. So what I did was, I marked to the last location I saw it. And I went home. You know, when in doubt, back the hell out. Like you did with Bjorn, you know, you just get back, regroup, say a prayer or two maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Not get uh, any sleep. (laughs) Not a lick of sleep. I came back the next morning and uh, went back to where I saw the deer last. And what I did was is I did circles or semicircles around the area which I saw that deer. Yep. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, I was on like a body search at that point. You know what I mean? Where you're, you're not, you're looking for blood, obviously, but with, it was still drizzling at the point where I shot it, where it could have washed away if there was any blood. And at no you're doing point. Like, you're doing like multi-scanning. Like you're looking beneath your feet, but then you're like looking up, like, is there a white in the distance? Exactly. Is there white in the distance? Exactly. So. Yeah. As I'm doing that, I, I was about to give up. I was about to give up, but, you know, I went to these multiple high points where I was either on, like, a fallen log or a rock, and I would stand up, and I would just do, like, a scan. And then I was looking, and I'm a bunch... There's a bunch of granite, like, boulders around. And I'm like, all right, boulder, boulder, boulder. I'm like, ah, that's a weird-looking boulder. (laughs) (laughs) And we're in definitely, like, a wetlands... You know, I was talking about a swamp earlier. Kind of swampy. It's wet. The water gathers right there. I'm like, all right. And I I walk over. I'm like, there it is. Nice doe. First deer in mass. Check off the list. Yeah, baby, on so the board. I got on the board. You know, it was a clean shot, too. I mean, double long, but it just held its breath. Like, <laughs> I have no idea, like... Clean far, shot, no punch. How far was the pond, that wet area, that little standing water area? It was about 75 yards from where I shot. That's and insane, dude. No blood the entire way, but when I got to where it was, there was this blood everywhere. And, and then when I cleaned it out, you know, it was a clean shot. I I don't understand how it didn't go down faster. It was just on the move. <laughs> so, you know, I'm lucky enough to find the deer, you know. I found a butcher down here, brought it to the butcher, but it was definitely a, a whirlwind experience. But Dude, lessons learned from this, again, what I said earlier, you know, we had a weather pattern move through 
I knew the deer would move after that. So even though it's kind of damp, kind of wet, you can't hear shit, I hunted anyway and had a deer come in. I waited to see if there was a buck following the doe. There wasn't. I had a doe tag. I had multiple doe tags, so I took the doe. And on top of that, when I couldn't find a deer, what did I do? I backed out, and it was a great decision because I was able to regroup, refocus, clear mind, going in to find it the next morning, and everything worked out just fine. Yeah, so, I mean, backing out like that, if you're going to back out, another thing I would point out is you know, make sure the conditions are right. Like, is it cool enough or is it too warm? Like, if it's too hot, then I ideally wouldn't. You know, I'd go back maybe later that night um, with flashlights to look for it. Um, in my situation with Bjorn, coyotes, bobcats, that's another thing you got to worry about is leaving and overnight. Yes, definitely. And I have to worry about bear, too, <laughs> on top of that. <laughs> so the same day I shot Bjorn, there was a... Uh, one of my coworkers' nephews, uh, he shot a nice, nice little buck and couldn't find it. They went out the next day, they found it, and all they found was the head and the rib cage, and everything was left behind. The coyotes had eaten the entire friggin' deer. It's insane. So, um, but with bobcats and coyotes in my area, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite happy that I did go back out and look for it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I have coyotes and. I've had bear on camera. I've had every sort of predator on camera, but I knew I would be okay with that night. And being November, it's cold enough where I'm able to back out, come back in. But make sure you keep an eye on the temperature because if you think you gut shot the deer, mm. definitely a little more uh, pep in your step when it comes to backing out. But backing out is yep. still good. Do not neglect the fact that backing out will let the deer sit down you know, pass, and then you can go find it. Right, right. But, excuse me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I... Did I share the bobcat videos with you? Uh, not the videos, no. We've been having trouble posting the videos on Instagram. We, we talked about earlier in previous episodes of posting uh, the buck scraping and whatnot. It's been a challenge to get the videos on just because of the format of everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you've sent me that video, no. Because I do have video. Uh, it was like a few days before I shot Bjorn. Um, I had two bobcats come in right beneath my tree stand. And actually one of them went over to one of my mock scrapes in front of my tree stand and sniffed it. Pretty sure it pissed in my mock scrape, too. I was like, what the heck? Like... But pretty cool to see those. But um, at the same time, it's like, man, there's a lot of predators out here. Yeah. You know, it's big woods. So, yep. Well, let's get into uh, that scent you talked about earlier. You know, Dude, what you got to get scent, Bjorn. Oh, the scent is lights out. Lights out. And you, you, sir, were the actual one that actually brought it to my attention. Um, and that is Black Widow. Um, Black Widow has a whole line of different scents, uh, but in particular, I used a, a buck scent or a uh, mock scrape scent from Black Widow, and I tell you what, dude, the, the shit is potent. Um, you know, mo most estresses and, like, bucks, like, the scents, you smell it, you're like, yep, that stinks. Dude, this is, like, a stink bomb. Like, you just do one spray of that, and it is, it will knock you on your rear end. Um... So the first afternoon uh, I went out with Black Widow, you know, there was a couple scrapes out there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it on my mock scrape with my camera. I sprayed three times in my mock scrape. Literally that night after I had left, that night, those scrapes were hit hard. I got video of it. I was getting pictures left and right. I mean, it is lights out. Amazing. So I might make the transition next year. You and I have talked about this. I might make the transition next year to uh, Strictly Black Widow Sense just to give it a shot um, for consistency. But um, that is the scent that I used when I shot Bjorn. And it was interesting to me after reflecting on this year, and we had talked about in the past, when I shot Ace last year, I was using uh, Dominant Buck. When I shot Bjorn this year, I was using Dominant Buck. 
So it's just kind of interesting. Like I've getting, I've been getting further and further away away from estrus scents and getting more into dominant buck scents. Yep. And I mean, it's worked. It has worked. So, you know, I didn't even use or really touch my estrus sense this year because I was like, dominant buck, dominant buck. And, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I was getting pictures and videos of not even just bucks. I mean, does were coming in and checking it out too. So it's just kind of interesting um, that I've that I've made that that shift. But uh, Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, for me, um, I'm going to talk about a scent that I've used, and it's going to be – more of a impact on future episodes. So on this episode, you know, I was using Dopey when I came in, but I didn't really have a scent out for that hunt because I'm I'm more of a minimalist approach, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, where I don't call much, I don't use much scents. I use a cover scent when I have to, but for this particular hunt in location, I don't really need to use a scent a lot. But... One scent that I put in the bag, and again, it'll listen to the next episode and the future episodes to get a little more detail on it, but I've been using <laughs> Code Blue Doe Estrus, which uh, you can put on a scent wick or a drag. I've only used the wicks for it, and I think I've had more success with that per hunt than I've had with the Hot Trails um, Doe Estrus yep. candles. Yep. But... uh I mean, it's it's definitely different because the one thing I do not like about a scent wick, it can freeze, and I hate that because I don't know if it affects the scent going out when it's sub 32 degrees and you go down, you check your wick, and it's frozen. That's like the one deal where I'm a little bit you know concerned about using it, but I've had success with it. Again, we'll talk about it in future hunts. Yep, for sure. Um and honestly, folks, it comes down okay. to personal preference. So um, another little piece of, uh, I shouldn't say, well, technology, I guess, but <laughs> a new piece of equipment that I got. Um, so after shooting Bjorn, that was my, my third deer in the season. And, you know, 180 pounds dressed, that's a lot of meat. And uh, lo and behold, I, I had a problem with uh, freezer space. So... <laughs> filled the freezer but uh i ended up buying a a new chest freezer and i actually went with one that was uh seven cubic feet and it's the perfect size it really is it's a perfect size chest freezer you know i've i fit three deer into that chest freezer and uh it's the perfect size so um i got three deer in there right now um and uh i have a standing freezer too that I, i usually top off as well so but um yeah, three deer. Uh, it was a nice little purchase. It only took a week to get. I had to special order it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, came in. I mean, you've been needing that freezer for a long time. We're going to fill that shit up with fucking fish, turkey, and deer for the time to come. Dude, so. you're spot on. I mean, we, we you and I have been talking about this for, gosh, years. You're like, you need a chest freezer. I'm like, I know, I know. And then finally I'm like, I just need to get one. It just needs to happen. So... Uh, ended up making that purchase mid-season, yep. and uh, it was a very wise, very wise decision to make that purchase. So, so to uh, kind of not wrap up but finish off the episode, we're going to talk about what we've seen from the saddle again. We've been gone for a month, and we apologize yep. profusely. <laughs> we've been very busy, <laughs> and you'll see why in future episodes why we. We haven't had the opportunity to record and talk about what we've seen. So as of December 12th, we're going to go over what we've seen from the saddle, our latest field report, and what I'll talk about is second rut is happening right now. So mm-hmm. prime rut has passed, <coughs> but yearlings are coming into estrus. Bucks are still hitting scrapes. Again, it's not coming at the full force of what rut was, Mm -hmm. but it's still happening. There's still much time to fill a tag if you're looking for a shooter buck. If you're still looking for a doe or any yearling buck, you still can have a great opportunity at that. But off my game cameras, I've seen a very, very nice shooter buck, Ace Caliber, which we post on Instagram, where big bucks are still on the move. 
they're still got a lot of testosterone and other hormones rolling through their bodies where they're a little bit stupid, not as stupid. Mm -hmm. Go out, get in the woods, and hunt them. And after I shot Bjorn, from my observations from the saddle, they're not really from the saddle, they're from the cameras. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had to stay out of the woods just because I filled my tag, but um, I keep my cameras out there to uh, to kind of survey of, you know, what's going on late season for future reference, but also who's making it day by day through the season. Um, you know, is there any other hunters out there? Like, I'm constantly monitoring the, uh, the woods. Um, you know, as of right now, December 12th, um, yesterday was the last day of uh, Maine um, deer whitetail season, if you want to call it. And uh, muzzleloader ended yesterday. Yes. Yep. Damn. Uh, All right. <laughs> so that was yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yesterday was the last day. Um, but uh, so it's the end of the season. But I still keep my cameras out there, as you folks know, uh, just to kind of see who made it through the hunting season, and. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep them out there a couple weeks just to verify. But um, things that I've noticed from mid-November to now, um, bucks, uh, the bucks, the bucks, the bucks, the bucks. Uh, they have not hit their scrapes. So I noticed um, I would go out and check my cameras. I was going by all those, all the scrapes that I had uh, put the tree branches in and closely monitoring those. And, I mean, they are all just... None of them were hit. None of them were hit, uh, which was interesting to me. But, uh, you know, buck appearances are more spread out. I'm not getting constant buck activity. It's, like, more sporadic. Um, you know, early December had some daylight pictures of, of shooters even. And, uh, you know, they're sticking to those thick avenues. They've been pressured. So where are those deer going to go? They're going to go to the thick spots. But uh, they are kind of stepping out into little open patches, which are where my cameras are. And uh, so that's what I've been noticing with my shooter bucks. Um, predators are now coming into the area, you know, with a different food source. After I shot Bjorn, that paunch pile is just sitting out there, just marinating. Those coyotes came in. Uh, pretty sure I had a koi wolf come in and uh, take care of that paunch pile. You know, I had the bobcats. Um, so predators are now starting to come in, and we were talking about from past uh, years is you hear us talk about this, you know, in my location, this mass exodus of, like, deer leaving. And is that due to these predators? Who knows? Um, the deer are currently still in the area, um, which is great. Um, it, they didn't really exit the area like they'd normally do in the past, which is interesting. Um but I am seeing Mule, uh, one of my target bucks, Mule. Uh, he was sighted on December 4th, so fingers crossed he, uh, he makes it through the first hurdle. He's still got to make it through the winter. But uh, I'm also getting pictures of uh, Drax, too. So um, yep. very cool to see that. But, um, you know, they still have a ways to go to get through the winter season. So, but well, I just checked. Yes, yesterday was the last day of muzzleloader season, which is December 11th. Yep. So definitely um, got to make it through winter and face out the predators and make it through the snow. It's a lot on their plate to make it through the season. Yep. Um, you know. You, no promises. You just cross your fingers, you know. I mean, we kind of hold our breath until July next year when we're putting out our cameras again for the following season and i mean until you see that picture you're like oh come on please um you don't know yep. you just don't know so where i'm currently still hunting till the new year i have a camera poll of the week and i will post it soon where i got my biggest buck on camera we uh did you name him I have not. I don't. You know me. I don't really name Come deer. On. <laughs> I don't really name deer. So I don't know. I just, I I know you name your deer. You're hunting one piece, and you're getting like multiple pictures of them. I get passing deer through this property. You know, it's a small piece where most of the deer I get are passing through. They're not living there because it's such a small acreage. Right. But you know, I had an ace caliber buck on camera which I'll post, but this was in post-rut, hmm. you know, in December, 
nighttime photo, of course, but what time? You know, making a scrape. Uh, two a.m. Oh Jesus! So like late or early? Yeah, I should doing, say doing buck things. You know, yeah, being buckish. But you know, made a scrape. Other deer hit that scrape in daylight. But you know, was weird. It made a scrape with no licking branch, which is weird to note. But there was another uh, scrape with a licking branch less than five feet away. Was there like side brush that he was at least like bumping into? No, it was literally just wide open, hitting this big pine. It's rubbing or hemlock rather. It's rubbing its antlers on it, made a scrape, and then another deer hit it. But you know, we got a big shooter buck on camera. So first of the year, late on, but doesn't matter. You can't really put too much stock into it if you're hunting small pieces like this. But yeah, anything counts, and. uh We'll keep you posted, you know. Because, I mean, you only got one picture of him, right? I got one picture of him. Other multiple basket racks hitting that scrape, too. Mm. But we still got uh, three weeks, two and a half, three weeks. Now, where's your stand? See what I can't do. Where's your stand and location to that scrape? I, I would have easily just arrowed it 25 yards. Mint. Perfect. So hunt that, hunt that scrape hard. So uh, I want to make one other uh, note for the people. I had an issue where I'm not going to discuss every deer encounter I've had, mm. but at this op- uh, property, I've had multiple bucks run through where I couldn't shoot them because I had branches in the way. So I knew when I had a week off, I cleared branches. Yes, I'm scenting up the area. Mm-hmm. Yes, you really shouldn't do that. You should have done it in preseason. I know. But I didn't know at the time because it was a new property late developing. Cleaned out the area. Used the saw to clean out so I could shoot a scrape 30 yards. But the day after I did all that cutting, I had a bunch of bucks roll through. Dude. And I mean four bucks. That's so four bucks. So weird. So weird. I It's... It's definitely weird. I definitely scented up the area after the fact, but if you're in a scenario where you have to do it, do it because it does not deter deer to the point where you just ruined your entire hunt. Because I, but when I, you have to give it a break. When I cut up Bravo that day that I was making my curveball, because I brought in my pole saw and I was doing the same thing. Literally the next day, I had three does come through right at the base of the tree I was at that I was cutting and everything, like, it's almost like, do we overanalyze things to the point where, like, as far as sense, like, as hunters, do we, you know, you and I, we always plan for, like, a rainy day to, like, wash out our scent and stuff like that, but, like, does it matter? I I don't think. At the, in the long run, where I saw bucks roll through, and we'll recap it in the next episode, but day after I did that, Multiple bucks ran through four, four because, shooters. Because if you asked you and I, like what three, four years ago, to cut branches during the season, we would be like, no, don't do it, don't even do it. Now, like we've kind of learned over the years of like, based on our observations, you can cut branches no problem, and deer still roll through. Yep, it doesn't stop them. It's not. Yes, you're in their, they're you're in their living room, but. I mean, do they smell that? I. How is that any different than the wind blowing over a branch or like snapping a branch? Like, how's that any different? Exactly, and as long as you're I, not removing with, like, you know, an iconic tree from the area, like, are they gonna? And know? the difference between what we talked about earlier, where you were talking about going to a new area and just mowing down the forest, mm. there's definitely like a time and a place where. I knew I could do this work, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't really affect the deer movement, and it was shown on camera, but you can't be crazy going to a new area and just totally setting up. There, There is a clear, defined difference, and you just need to know as a hunter where you're not just totally destroying the land mm. as a whole, where, you know, where I was snipping branches, and like, like you said, like years ago, we wouldn't even done that, but I did it anyway because I was like, fuck it. I have a week off, and deer came through the next day, and you saw that Bravo too. Yep, it's just kind of interesting to to compile that information in different states, but see the same result. It's kind of interesting. Yep, 
Yeah. Well, you also have some very uh, trophy-worthy hardware to talk about. Dude, my phone rang one day, and it was probably like, I mean, I've had some great phone calls, but this was a, I was waiting on this phone call. Um, Ace is ready for homecoming. Uh, I got Ace back finally, the deer that I shot last year. Um, and he is absolutely stellar. He is, man, dude. Check the Instagram. Check it. Dude, he makes Hightower on the wall look tiny. Like, you just look at the two of them together, and, I mean, he just dwarfs Hightower. Like, Hightower looks like a little spike horn compared to him. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. But, um, no, Ace came home. Uh, He's on the wall. It's great. I mean, I mean, I there's been hours where I just stand and stare at him and just, I mean, he's so unique. His rack, his color. Um, when I went to pick him up, there was 40 other uh, bucks that were finished up hanging on the wall. And uh, the guy that did it, he goes, which one is it? And I literally didn't even have to look. I was like, that one right there. The split brow tie was obviously a dead giveaway. But the other dead giveaway was Ace has this like red patch on his for like on his forehead, and it's I mean it just pops, and no other deer had that like characteristic. It, and you know when people say oh all white tails they all look the same, no they don't. No, no they not don't at all. Every white tail has their own little unique like characteristic. It's just it's just so cool. Um, but, uh, the split brow and the red cap on his head, I mean, it's just very, very different, very unique. Um, yep. but, yep. uh, yeah, pretty special, you know, that's memories. So on tomorrow, that's memories that are going to last forever. You know what I mean? So definitely, but. definitely. So on tomorrow's hunt, we'll, uh, we'll recap our post run hunts as a team. Mm. It'll be our last team whitetail discussion. Yep. You know, we uh, fill more deer for the freezer. You heard him right, so. folks. <laughs> more deer. More so deer. We got plenty of deer action for uh, the future, so stay tuned for that. And as always, get on the water. And get in the woods. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. Yeah, I did, bitch ass. <laughs>